3: Major League
4: Baseball is where we begin our number two week. That's a Monday Night Football, and we still have plenty of week four action to recap. But we only have one series remaining in the regular season for pretty much every single team across the sport. And the biggest series so far this season took place in Atlanta, where the Braves and the Mets were battling for the division. The Mets needed just one win out of three games to remain favorites. In this division, Jacob DeGrom in game number one, not able to get the job done. Max Scherzer in game number two. Same result, it's a Braves win. And last night, the Braves beat Bassett and now hold a two-game lead in this division. The defending World Series champions, Donnie, at the Century mark now for wins and look like they will be winning the NL East.
5: Absolutely impressive, too. And also now what? Heading to Miami for three games with a dead team. Should be able to win, maybe even sweep that series. But it looks like they're going to take down the NLE's crown. And how about Kenley Jansen's 38th, 39th, and the 40th, 40th saves all coming in that series? Which the reason I bring this up, Kevin, it wasn't one of those where the Mets say, ah, you know... We're going to rest some guys. It doesn't matter if we get into the playoffs as a wild card, get into the playoffs as a division winner. You know, we're going to coast in. Those were hard-fought playoff games where if you are the Braves and now get into the postseason and win the division, say, oh, no, you're going to eventually have to face the mess. Yes, so what? We beat your two top pitchers. We beat you in close ball games, And we're going to have home field advantage now. You're not just going to line up and say, oh, what did you want us to do? It was Scherzer and DeGrom out there on the mound. Impressive performance for the Atlanta Braves. But should we be doubting them? Remember at the beginning of the season, doesn't start off so well. Well, they lost Freddie Freeman. That's the heart and soul. They're never going to recover from this. Here they are back in the playoffs as possibly a division winner and on their way to maybe a back-to-back World Series appearance. Don't count out the Atlanta Braves. Jeez.
4: The Braves tied with the Yankees for the third best odds to win the World Series. They are currently minus 4,000 to win the division. You cannot say enough about how impressive that was. I've said, though, all year, my pick to win the World Series, the Mets, did not need to win this division. The theory was that Grom and Scherzer are on the road. No problem, They'll, You're not going to beat them both. The Braves just did that. Changes the outlook a little bit here. Now, I want to see someone do that again. I have my reservations. That'll happen. The biggest concern for me on the Mets, though, is how they bounce back after this series. It is a bit demoralizing to feel like you have the division completely in your hand, you certainly controlled your own destiny, and to be swept like this by the Atlanta Braves. That is the real difficult part there for the New York Mets. We'll see how they bounce back. The NL wildcard picture now has the Braves at the top. The Phillies the Padres look like they will occupy these final couple of spots here. At Donnie, the Phils with two consecutive wins. The Brewers with two consecutive losses. Major there for the Phils to keep their postseason hopes alive.
5: Yes, certainly is. And when you're going up to face the Houston Astros, it looks like they're going to throw some pretty good pitchers down the stretch. Now, we'll see how long they pitch for. I don't expect Verlander to get on the mound and toss eight innings and 130 pitches to keep the Phillies Hmm. or try to keep the Phillies out of the playoffs. We have to remember one thing as well. Tiebreakers are massive here. If you see that tiebreaker, let's just say, excuse me, you see the Brewers two games back of the Philadelphia Phillies, understand the Phillies hold the tiebreaker. So in effect, you have to have three straight wins here for the Milwaukee Brewers and three straight losses for the Philadelphia Phillies. The magic number is one for the Phillies, which means if they win a game, it doesn't matter what the Brewers do. Or even if the Brewers lose one of these games, the Phillies are automatically going to be in that spot here and headed to their first playoff appearance in what, over a decade? Finally, Phillies.
4: Uh, and it certainly is something though how many series would you be like oh philly could be in danger of being swept at the dodgers and at the astros they've they're at the astros for 3 and the brewers as you mentioned home against the diamondbacks for 3, three. But they're in a great position. The radio audience is live. Sirius XM channel 159, the early line on Sports Grid Radio. The AL wildcard picture is finalized in terms of teams, the Blue Jays, the Mariners, and the Rays. It looks like it will be the Blue Jays, Mariners, and Rays in that order as well. One last piece of business here, though, in Major League Baseball. Aaron Judge still on home run 61. New market here. Aaron Judge to finish with exactly 61 home runs, plus 200. For Aaron Judge to hit that home run today, you can get a plus 250. Mm-hmm. To hit it tomorrow, there's a doubleheader in the opening game, plus 380. In the second game, plus 500. And in the final game of the regular season, plus 750. Donnie, let's narrow in on today. Do you think that Aaron Judge can go deep against the Houston Texans and Martin Perez?
5: Maybe a left-handed pitcher. So it lines up with a right-handed batter. I get it. But Perez has been pretty good on the season overall. So again, at the FanDuel Sportsbook, you see, will he finish with exactly 61 home runs? I don't think that plus 200 is enough here. I think that should be higher. Looking about four games against, you know, questionable pitching, let's just say. And Aaron Judge probably leading off. So what's you going to get, Kevin? 25 at-bats. Maybe he plays all of these games. He's going to go yard at least one time. But if I'm looking at one of the matchups that maybe make the most sense, we don't know in the second part of that doubleheader who Texas is going to Gonna have on the mound there, but Otto in that last game, who have a legitimate chance to go yard in that one? That's an unbelievable price. If we wait till the fifth and Aaron Judge hits a mm-hmm. home run here at the FanDuel Sportsbook, that's plus seven fifty. That's a big ticket.
4: It is good for the Yankees that they are going to have a buy because, you ah, man, you'd love to get a Judge a day off, but you cannot mm-hmm. until he hits no. this home run. At least they're going to be able to grab a couple of days before they'll be either way in the divisional series. Off. We're back to the National Football League after a quick break. You are watching and listening to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wrightside will be right back.
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: Lots break down still in the National Football League. We take a look at Lambeau Field where the Packers hosted the Patriots. At one point, if you saw these teams, man, Rogers, Brady. Had that last week. This time we got Rogers Hoyer. And then Hoyer uh, left injured. So we got Rodgers Zappi. The game ruled, though. Went to overtime. The Green Bay Packers did survive 27-24. to 24. They won the toss. They punted. They were able to force the Pats to do the same. And Mason Crosby hit a field goal with no time remaining. I don't really know why the Packers on second down ran the clock down to four seconds. In case there was a bad snap, you could have thrown the ball away. Like If you make the field goal, it doesn't matter. I don't know why you needed it to be the last <laughs> play of the game. I'd argue that's really bad coaching. Who cares, though? It's hardly a big deal. But, Donnie, uh, more uh, relevant to you, the Packers win or the Patriots loss? Um, I would guess what's it, more of the Packers win, right? Because they're three and one on the season
5: right now, and you're gonna see over the next couple of weeks. I don't even know if they play more than a, a division three quarterback, it seems like on their schedule, apparently. But that's something breaks that you need going into it. The Green Bay Packers are going to win some football games, but I need to see when they go up against a formidable opponent once again, because the Patriots weren't supposed to be a formidable opponent, and the Patriots, quite frankly, would have won this game and won it fairly easily, Kevin. And if they did have a competent quarterback, would well, you wait? Look at Bailey Zappi. You know, 10 for 15, 99 yards and a touchdown did exactly what you wanted I get it I was actually thoroughly impressed with Bailey Zappi for his first career action in the NFL where he wasn't even being the prep starter for the week But having said that it was clear that they didn't trust him to throw all that many passes but how about this trusted him way more than Mac Jones on the road against the Buffalo Bills does that say something for Bill Belichick here letting him throw 15 times and like three times last year for Mac Jones on the road a big game against the Bills maybe not but look at the end of that football game Just needed to make one more play in overtime and around midfield. You pick up a first down. You probably end up beating the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau here. It was a win for the Packers, which, again, in our survivor pool here on Moneyline that we pick each and every week, it was nice to pick up that W. A lot more sweat than I thought that it was going to be, but also from a Packers perspective here. Not going to be able to line up the football and just outrun a team or say, well, you have a quarterback that shouldn't be in the league right now. We're going to play. When the Packers face formidable opponents, they're really going to be in trouble because of
4: their wide receivers. The Pats hanging around to a degree wasn't super surprising because I think we the Belichick stuff is all relative, but he knows Mm -hmm. how to find a way to hang around, right? And backed into a corner, Belichick is going to probably come up with something crafty to hang around. But the thing is, I don't think this was all that crafty by Bill. It was just smart, and it's concerning for Green Bay. He gave the ball to his running back by committee, Damian Harris and Ramadre Stevenson backfield, and said, here, just keep us in the game. They had 18 carries for 86 yards, uh, 4.8 per carry, which is Damian Harris and Ramadre Stevenson had 14 carries for 66 yards and 4.7 per carry. Both running backs, wildly efficient. That's all. If you're able to do that, handoff, 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 you're going to be in the game the entire way. And they also picked Rodgers off and went the other way for six, which was massive. I think this is a concern for the Packers if you're just going to be able to be ran on the entire way. The offense is doing just enough. But as we talked about last week, the the Packers – Have a favorable schedule. They win 13 games every single year. LaFleur is there. A major question is, does any of it matter? Is anyone going to buy into the Green Bay Packers under any circumstances? I think the only one is probably them making the Super Bowl, which I know we're not expecting here on this show. Colts-Titans was an interesting game, certainly. The Tennessee Titans jumped out to a big lead for the second week in a row, they were up in this game 24 to 3 at the half. I don't know if this is a new trend in the NFL. The Eagles did it two weeks in a row. We've now seen the Titans do it two weeks in a row. Big time scoring in the first half, shut out in the second half. And it did not matter. They win this game 24 to 17. They jumped to 2 and 2. The Colts are now 1 2 and 1. And the Tennessee Titans, after getting embarrassed by the Bills on Monday Night Football, And some people, me, starting Malik Willis chatters, have completely flipped their season around.
5: Yeah, how about that? Going on the road, winning a couple of tough football games. You're, it seems like you're probably going to be in this division to win it. Talking about the AFC South with nine or 10 wins. So, as long as you stay at an average pace, like two and two, like the Titans are now, you're going to have some shots. But let's take a look more at the Indianapolis Colts. It just seems like they're broken at this point. And it's not to say, well, Donnie Matt Ryan threw for 356 yards and two touchdowns. What did you want him to do? I don't know. Make some plays off schedule. Because you're right, Kevin. When you get down multiple touchdowns, you have no choice but to throw the football, and the other team is going to give you little bit more cushion so some of those statistics do rise up at the end of this football game and quite frankly in the fourth quarter in the third quarter this how many times can you be driving the football for the Colts only to have disaster strike and also how hurt is Jonathan Taylor with that ankle injury 20 carries for 42 yards he's the bell cow he's the guy that makes this offense go. And if he's not going to be available or healthy over the next couple weeks you're just going to be able to zero in on Matt Ryan that's never a good thing the Colts used to be so smart and so shrewd and win football games like this. Now have a quarterback that cannot make plays off schedule. And if you're not going to have a dominant ground game and just get some luck on your side with turnovers, you're going to have some tough time scoring here. And it looks like that's what the Colts are running into now.
4: Yeah, it, the Jonathan Taylor injury news is also pretty tough. Now, he he was terrible in this game, 20 carries, 42 yards. But he is probably going to miss a Thursday night trip to the Mile High against Denver. The Colts sit here one three and one. It's the kind of division you're not going to say they're dead and buried in. The Jags next week are a touchdown favorite against the Texans, and the Titans uh, take a trip to Washington, uh, and they'll actually be a road favorite in that game. But as you said, nothing feels good about the Indianapolis Colts. They just feel like they they were one of the more overrated teams in the league. One interesting number, maybe we could circle back to this tomorrow, the Colts are minus 102 to make the playoffs, minus 112 to miss. Mm. Certainly do not feel like a playoff team to me. Uh, And by the way, the divisional favorites now, Donnie, in the AFC South, Colts plus 190, Titans plus 190, the Jacksonville Jaguars plus 170. Here's the thing Don, I think we can agree on this certainly. the Jags look like the best team in this division, correct? Yes, I would agree and and that with this division and how ugly it feels, that might just be the most important yeah. aspect. They have the best most talent and, and team. here's the thing like well that's the I said they had the best quarterback in the division. that was an understatement, right? Do they have the best yeah. coach in the division? Vrabel, to me, has earned a lot of respect for what he's done over the past couple of years. But again, Doug Peterson wipes the floor with Frank Reich, not even close. And Lovey Smith is is not into that conversation either. And the thing for the Jacksonville side, too, is their defense is looking a bit better. I know the Birds got to 29, but the Jags still made some plays in that game on the defensive side of the ball. And that's going to be pretty interesting to track as well. I also wanted to sneak in uh, this spot here. But you know what? I don't want to burn it. So let me sneak into a different game. Donnie Saints, Vikings, the London special here. Kevin O'Connell's kicking field goals, field goals, field goals, field goals, field goals. It doesn't bite them. Andy Dalton started, tried to lead a comeback. The Saints are in trouble. You were Mr. New Orleans Saints. Howie Roseman's on the line. He just called me to say this. <laughs> the Eagles on the Saints first round pick. The Saints look terrible. And they're very injured. They're a one-and-three football team. London takeaway?
5: Yeah, no, it, was, it was an odd game, an entertaining game overall that many people probably forgot that was on at 9.30 in the morning Eastern time. But that's a good win by the Minnesota Vikings, even though it was a very sloppy game all the way through. And what's it, what is up with the Saints here? Get some health going on here. But the one thing it looks like, Chris Olave is probably going to be a pretty good wide receiver, but something yeah, has to start true. to click on their offense. And maybe it's just Alvin Kamara's ribs not clicking and breaking.
4: Major takeaway, not that it's necessarily stunning, but I thought it was important, Justin Jefferson back in a major yeah, way. Finally. 10 catches on 13 targets for 147 yards found the end zone on the ground in this game. The Vikings need that from him. We'll go
3: way deep into the NFL still next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: All
4: right, let's roll. we got a lot of games to get to. We'll start with the Steelers and the Jets. Uh, Donnie, this was a major one here because Zach Wilson's first game back is a win for the Jets. But to a degree, upstaged by Kenny Pickett entering the fold. 10 of 13, 120 yards. All three incompletions were picked off. He had two rushing touchdowns. What was your major takeaway from Steelers-Jets? Uh, Young quarterbacks are going to
5: make mistakes on both sides here. And Zach Wilson, who did end up leading them on a drive, talking about the Jets to win the football game, credit him for that. But overall, he was pretty bad in that game also. How about a passer rating of 59 and a QBR rating of 53.4? Flip it over to Kenny Pickett, who showed a lot of juice. And Mike Tomlin was right. Made the change here, not because I thought Mitch Trubisky was just bad. We just needed a spark on our football team, and you got one. But sometimes those sparks lead into infernos here, and the turnovers kept coming as Kenny Pickett played a half of football and threw three interceptions. Now the last one you could say, all right, throwing it up in the air, you're trying to make something happen on a Hail Mary play. It gets picked off, it happens here. But sometimes you have to be saved from yourself. If the Pittsburgh Steelers just go ultra-conservative in that fourth quarter, does it give the Jets a short field to go in and make a game of this and also come away with a victory? I didn't expect all that much, and neither did the sports books here for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 2022 season. But the one thing I think is true here, I love coaches' you know, gamesmanship, so to speak. You asked Mike Tom last week, you're going to make a change to Kenny Pickett. Would he out of your mind? No, absolutely not. Mitchell Trubisky's getting better. Yeah, it lasted a half. So I don't want to hear Mike Tomlin now who also said, well, we have made a decision on next week. I get that here. But I don't want to hear all during the week. Mitchell Trubisky, we're going to split the time and somebody's going to win the starting job in practice. Just name Kenny Pickett your starting quarterback. Give him all the reps and give him the confidence as the keys to the Ferrari are yours. Don't crash it. Have a great career and good luck.
4: The thing is, the Steelers wasted the season when they named Trubisky the starter in Week Number One. I was right about that the entire time. You could have just let Pickett start here against the Jets, and you could. I don't shake it. You know, I was right about that the entire time. You can just say you were correct he he that Trubisky yes. was going to start, but yes. you were obviously always wrong to think it was good for them to start Trubisky. And now, oh here, Kenny Pickett, you can start against the Buffalo Bills. And then mm. follow that up by going against the Bucks, the Dolphins, and the Eagles. Nightmare scenario. I want to mention this quickly. Offensive rookie of the year odds right now, Alave, London, Pierce, right now are all three in front of Kenny Pickett, and they belong. I don't think just because Kenny Pickett plays quarterback and is, go- is going to come in here and win this award, he might lead the league in picks. Now he's off to some start in this game. I know Claypool should have caught one. I know it was a Hail Mary pass on the last one. It doesn't matter. He's gonna he might throw these things at an aggressive rate here. But he's where is he going to lead the Steelers? Nowhere. So I don't see this being a big shift in this market. It might open up value for other people based on the way this game played out. Also, shout out Zach Wilson. Went over his passing yards prop and his rushing yards prop the cardinals beat the panthers 26 16 the arizona side of this is your two and two you need to split your next two games and you're 500 and then hopkins is back and you hope that you find the chemistry last year that you had when hopkins was around and you can get kyler murray back towards a top 10 quarterback in the league and figure that thing out on the carolina side the clock continues to tick on Matt Rule and Baker Mayfield looks like one of the five worst quarterbacks in the National Football League. I'm starting to be of the mind, Donnie, that almost every single person here in Carolina will be gone by the start of next season.
5: Yeah, it's just not working out for them. And I and I I don't know if Matt Rule just got a bad shake of things because you can say to yourself like Mike Tomlin, if I ask you right now, Kevin, Hall of Fame head coach. Yeah. Right. All right, easy. But you take away and give him bad quarterbacks. They look horrendous. It's not necessarily the coach's fault. So Matt Rule not walking into a situation where he got Aaron Rodgers, you still would like (laughs) to say, all right, well, a lot of coaches walk into bad situations but make some good things happen. He didn't get a Russell Wilson by trade, which we're going to get to that in just a little bit. He didn't get you know, Tom Brady falling into his lap as Bruce Arians did. We get that here. But sometimes it's just about the competence of a football team. Yesterday was a game you were in it to win it, 10-3 at the half year. You're at home. You're supposed to win those football games. And boy, do they fall apart. And you're right. Baker Mayfield, how many times can you get tip balls at the line and not say it's your fault as a quarterback? Get him out on the edges here. Get him away from the offensive line because it's apparent that one out of every two passes, Kevin, that he throws doesn't even make it to the wide receiver, not because it's not a good pass. It's because it gets deflected or knocked down. The time is running out in Carolina. One of the richest owners in the NFL. He is going to make some moves in the offseason. But again, unless you have a quarterback, I don't care who you bring to town, it's never going to work out.
4: And Matt Rule will be fine. He'll uh, moonwalk into a probably pretty good job in the college football ranks. But to Mm -hmm. to your point, they spent all offseason being connected to every big-name quarterback. They landed on Baker Mayfield. And unfortunately for Matt Rule, Baker looks very, very washed. Uh, You mentioned Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. They lose to the Raiders 32-23. I'll start here since this is my pick to win the Super Bowl. Uh, This is not an excuse. It's not a panic mode loss. It's hard to send a desperate team to 0-4 in their own building. It's impossible when Melvin Gordon continues to fumble the ball at the rate that he is and allows for a scoop and score for the Vegas Raiders defense. Russell Wilson had maybe his most efficient game yet as a passer, averaging 9.5 yards per pass, hitting multiple deep shots here. He finished a yard and a half underneath his passing prop, which is certainly not how we drew that up. I think the big concern here for me, Donnie, on the Denver Broncos is that Javante Williams suffered a significant knee injury, and I don't know if he plays football again this season. That's going to be
5: devastated because that's one of the guys, Kevin, where you turned on the TV in the first game of the season and said to yourself, this guy has the chance to be a superstar this year. What have the Denver Broncos uncovered? Now you go back to Melvin Gordon, who again, not as a bad option, but if you had a one-two punch of Gordon, not fumbling the football, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. And sometimes a new quarterback coming to a new situation, new head coach in a new city and a new offense, you struggle a little bit, but that yesterday, you're right. It wasn't Russell Wilson's fault, a 124.9 passer rating that's usually good enough to win football games. Tough loss for the Denver Broncos. I don't think the Vegas Raiders are all that good, but maybe you're just trying to work your way around and get hot towards the end of the season if you're the Denver Broncos, but they're still not on the same page. You know, uh, Jerry Judy, four catches for 53 yards. He did get a touchdown. Same thing with Cortland Sutton, but I expected more out of the offense. I expected more firepower, and maybe Javante Williams was that guy that could have provided that spark. Not going to be able to give that spark. We'll see how long he's out for at this point.
4: Again, if the, that running back room I thought was going to be a strength with Javante Williams yeah. and Melvin Gordon, Javante's gone and, and Melvin Gordon is like actively costing them football games. Like two monstrous fumbles in both of their losses. This season. Obviously, that's really difficult. The Texans got right against the Chargers for a moment, though. but it, mm. <laughs> it looked like they were going to charger this game uh, as this was 27 7 at the break, and then it was 27 24 with five minutes left in the game. Austin Eckler uh, got right, certainly. Uh, two touchdowns on the ground, one in the air, which was massive. Dustin Herbert, 340 passing yards here. I guess he's A OK at least up against the Houston Texans as they narrowly blew the cover for a lot of their backers in this game. I, the Chargers win is, is one thing, but are, the Texans are going to be the greatest winless football yeah. team of, of all time. Donnie, is that what we're on uh, p- p- you know p- pace for?
5: Yeah, and it might not be a bad thing for the Houston Texans, right? You want to say that Lovey Smith has the ear of the football team. we are going to play hard every week, but if you're asking a true Texans fan or even the front office, they love this. We're playing hard, honest efforts. We're so close, but we're still losing games, which means we're going to get our choice of whatever quarterback that we want next year in this draft to really take off, which – to be bad for Davis Mills was what he wanted to do, 246, two touchdowns. Did throw the two interceptions in this game, but he continues to play decent football with a team that's not all that talented overall. So I think you're looking at the Texans as the best-case scenario and yesterday, almost coming back for the actual cover in this game. But how about this? Sneaking under the total there on my side of the teaser at 11.5, which looked like it was up in smoke <laughs> for a large majority of that game. The Texans will fight
4: you. They just won't beat you. They certainly uh, a fair description. Uh, You mentioned the pick six money line dogs. Now allow me just to complain and cover myself for a moment and then I'll praise you. Okay. I am two and two on money line dogs. My two losses were the Falcons up 16 at home and the Ravens up 17 at home. (laughs) I'm just saying that's pretty tough and it's tough when you can't be happy about two and two. Because the man across from me here is 4-0. He calls the Seattle Seahawks outright. And in a ridiculous 48-45 uh, end result there, the Seahawks beat the Detroit Lions. I mean, it's, it's just tremendous stuff here. Because, again,
5: coming into this, and I, I tell Kevin this all the time. There is nothing that I look at during the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that I make up my minor decision or even cap a picking a dog. Because you know why? The hardest thing for a handicapper to get around is picking an underdog. What? Hey, they're not even favored to win this game. There's no chance they win that, which is why I completely remove myself. And at 4.30 a.m. on a Friday morning, that's when I make my pick for that Sunday's game on a whim to say, I think they have a chance. I don't want to think this because you know what? If I think it through, I'll never pick this football team. But how about last year having so much success and opening a 4 0 in dogs? And I'm not talking about Kevin, plus 110, plus 112. We're talking about close to 2 to 1 prices every single week and walking away with victories. Can we go 5 0? I won't even know until Friday morning.
4: <laughs> Which is uh, exactly what you're looking for. Uh, yeah. The Lions have yeah. the highest scoring offense in the entire league, and they also, by a lot, have the worst scoring defense in the entire league. That's how you end up one and three. The Seahawks did not punt in this game. Also, I know all of Jared Goff's numbers look great, and they are. He threw maybe the worst pick six I have ever seen. There, were, I don't even know if they sent a pass rush, and he found a wide open Seattle Seahawks.
3: Monday Night Football.
4: Monday night football, huge game in the NFC West, a matchup from last year's, or rematch I should say, of last year's NFC Championship game, and it's the same quarterbacks, it's Jimmy Garoppolo versus Matthew Stafford, the Niners are a one and a half point favorite, the total here is 42 and a half, the Niners have won six consecutive regular season matchups against the Los Angeles Rams, will they make it seven tonight?
5: And that's you're that deep breath right now because you're looking at this line minus one and a half. Here's a favor for the San Francisco 49ers. It basically says we're an even, you know, matchup here between these two, but you're in San Francisco. We'll throw a couple points your way. And that's why you are favored. But if I'm looking at the team-by-team team analysis here, I just trust the Los Angeles Rams more. How could you do that, Don? Didn't you hear what Kevin just said? San Francisco 49ers own the Rams. I understand that. I just don't know if we're as talented as we were in the past. Talking about the San Francisco 49ers overall. You're dinged up in the backfield. Jimmy Garoppolo is reinserted back as a starting quarterback when he shouldn't be the starting quarterback of this football team. They didn't want him on this football team, but they had the safe face to bring him back to admit that nobody wanted him on the trade market. So, Here he is trying to play football and earn some pretty big paychecks here for every win that you get. But how many wins are the San Francisco Giants, or excuse me, San Francisco 49ers going to get? But having said that, the Los Angeles Rams, I expect more out of them. I trust their offense a whole heck of a lot more than I do the San Francisco lineup. And also from a defensive perspective, I like San Francisco's defense. Don't get me wrong here, but I'm still going to trust the Rams. I trust the Rams more than I do the San Francisco 49ers, Kevin. And that's the way I'm going with it. I'll take the Rams getting one and a half tonight on the road, even though the success hasn't been there against this football team over the past couple of years, at least in the regular
4: season. I can agree with everything you said up until the pick. The, the the rams are more talented at quarterback, potentially skill position players, defenses are maybe that just rams but the game is in San Francisco. And I just feel like so often we're looking at these games and you're just getting value on a home team. The the rams I don't think at this point in time though are wildly better than the Niners. We've we've not seen that been true over these past couple of seasons. Again, the Rams beat the Niners last year in the NFC Championship game. It was a comeback victory for the Los Angeles Rams. The, the Niners were right exactly where you expect them to be. And again, that game, of course, was in L.A. I think what we're seeing here is everybody is now down on the San Francisco 49ers because of last week's performance on Sunday Night Football. And I understand that. It was pitiful to watch we know that Garoppolo and the Niners' offense is capable of significantly more. We have a sample size of that being true that is much larger than last week's game against the Denver Broncos. And I do think there is something to a quarterback that was injured for a lot of the offseason, certainly not getting any first-team reps, and finding himself now in a position... As the starter on the road against a great Denver defense in altitude and struggling in the way that we saw Jimmy Garoppolo have to. And maybe the more important thing is they had to be in a spot where, hey, Jimmy G, can you go win us the game? The Niners typically find ways against the Los Angeles Rams to not ask Jimmy G to do that. They're winning 20-10 to 10 at the beginning of the fourth quarter, usually when these teams find their way onto the field I think this is a really good spot to back the Niners at home to get right they're 1-0 this season at home it was a 20-point victory against the Seattle Seahawks and I think they've got a similar chance uh, to uh, have a nice win here tonight uh, Donnie before we hit the props any thoughts on this total here at 42 and a half? we saw scoring it felt like uh, rise a bit on Sunday are you interested in the total at all in this game
5: it does feel a little bit light here, but if we're asking for, like, explosive offenses, you don't really get that. 72 yards of ground for the Rams entering into this game per game, 3.4 yards per carry, only 234 in the air. And if you flip it over for the San Francisco 49ers, seems like their calling card this year, again, is going to be on the ground, 151 yards a game, 4.5 yards per carry, which is good, but only 172 per game in the air. And if we're looking at a way that maybe the Rams will be vulnerable, they've given up 252 yards a game in the air from a defense. But if you don't have an offense, even though Ayuk's a very good wide receiver, Debo's very good. Kittle a tight end. But also keep in mind, one of the best left tackles in football is not going to be playing tonight for the San Francisco 49ers in Trent Williams. So that certainly is going to be on the lookout for a team with a pretty good pass rush here. If I'm looking at that 42 and a half, I would love to go over, but I got to tell you, I think it plays to an under. I really do.
4: I think these offenses are, are significantly more talented than this total suggests. Yeah, they are. You're right. If if you if you would have asked me this before everything played out on Sunday, I would have said I can't get involved though because just look at what kind of keeps happening here: trip up spots, trip up so- spots. You know, our offense is going to start to catch up to defenses, maybe. So if I'm playing it, I'm playing it towards the over. But if I think that this game can have a bit more explosiveness in it, then maybe we could take advantage a bit more in the props market here. Uh, open season anywhere. In terms of passing props, Garoppolo or Stafford, uh, or no, excuse me, what am I doing? I'm jumping ahead. Touchdown scores, where we always uh, begin. Cooper Cup is minus 110. Jeff Wilson's plus 110. That's how uh, that market starts off. Who do you like?
5: Yeah, for a lower-scoring game that we may be anticipating, Kevin, right? Nothing around that 47-48 range on the totals. You're not getting a whole lot of value outside of Cooper Cup at a minus-110. Who looks at this game, Kevin, and says, you know what? Fade Cooper Cup. He's not going to get in the end zone. Only to find the first drive him get, like, three red zone targets and score a touchdown. Jeffrey Wilson there at a plus-110 price I think makes some sense. Debo, 120. Cam Akers, 190. Ayuk 195. Kittle, plus-190. 190. This number should be a little bit higher for me. I'm not in love with this market, but if I had to take two players tonight and say at least one of them are going to score a touchdown, I'd go right off the bat here with Cup and Jeffrey Wilson. I just think Jeff Wilson in the red zone is going to get the majority of the touches from the running back position, and we'll see if Debo Samuel actually creeps in there. Good for your season-long prop as he turns into a de facto running back in some of those situations. Mm. But Cooper Cup, minus 110. It's a terrible price to actually have an anytime touchdown score in the NFL, but who's going to come into this game and not think he's actually not going to score or have a big game? Not me.
4: He scored in 9 of 10 to close out last season, Super Bowl yeah. run included. He scored in all three games this season. Yeah. And he did it with a rushing touchdown, too. It, the only reason he didn't score last week, Stafford didn't throw a touchdown. It was the first time that happened yeah. uh, at, for Stafford as a member of the L.A. Rams. Again, I, I wouldn't bank on that continuing to be the case. In this passing uh, market here, uh, Stafford at one-and-a-half touchdown passes he is a bit enticing, just knowing how expensive that usually is for Matthew Stafford. I know he uh, was not able to do it against Buffalo, and then Arizona, a surprising uh, no-passing touchdowns, but he was able to get right against Atlanta, and it's just Still, to me, how I think the Rams are more likely to score their touchdowns is with the ball in Stafford's hand. Uh, Where else in the props market tonight are you looking to go? We'll get to specials in a minute, but other props that you're looking at.
5: The player passing touchdowns, I I think there is a decent shot here. You talk about Stafford here, over 1.5, minus 113. That is a pretty cheap price to have. But I actually look more into Jimmy Garoppolo here, over 1.5 at a plus 150 price. It's not that I'm saying that I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a better chance to throw two touchdowns than Matthew Stafford. Let's just say both of them don't. All right, you lose the bets. But if they do, I can see Jimmy Garoppolo throwing at least one. And if I'm going to get a plus 150 price on a team that has three legitimate weapons, between a tight end one of the best in football and two legitimate wide receivers hey maybe even a pop pass down on the goal line or one of those Kyle use specials here where you just flip them you know an inside uh inside pass or even just getting him on the outside where it's third and one and nobody's open and, oh look he's wide open in the flat so i think it makes some sense for a shovel pass or something cheap here to get those two touchdowns i'll take a flyer on Jimmy Garoppolo to throw two touchdowns at that nice plus 150 price.
4: Uh, in terms of pass catchers, Debo Samuel's receiving prop is 56.5. Last week, with Garoppolo back under center, he had 73 receiving yards. I think it's still lost on people that last season, Debo Samuel was top five in the league in receiving yards. His number again, 56 and a half. He went over that in 12 of 16 games played. Debo Samuel in that market looks interesting. And then Jeff Wilson in his rushing prop looks interesting. He is this backfield, the number 55 and a half. Last week, 12 carries 75 yards against Seattle. 18 carries 84 yards. Jeff Wilson and Debo Samuel both look interesting to me tonight.
5: Yeah, and also, let's keep in mind as well... Allen Robinson, over 39 and a half yards seems cheap here, Kevin, but not the greatest start here to his Rams NFL career. You know, just I, I'm waiting for explosiveness. I'm waiting for red zone targets. I'm not getting it. Maybe they're just not comfortable with each other. But another one that just pops up off here George Kittle, 42 and a half yards. If you're going to be bearing down with a tough pass rush, that makes it a little bit harder to get those deep 15 yard outs and deep shots down the field. But George Kittle is going to be your best friend tonight over the middle. I think Kittle gets over that 42 and a half here.
4: Not bad. uh, Interesting to see when Kittle starts to feel like he is uh, back in rhythm in a major way. Uh, We're going to do the game specials. I'm pretty sure, though, I'm seeing some immediate value that I just want to point out to you because this is your market. Jimmy Garoppolo to have one passing touchdown in each half, plus 145. Now, I think Garoppolo, uh, over one and a half touchdown passes is plus 150. So, obviously... That's bad, but Stafford for a passing touchdown uh, in each uh, half is plus 250, which, again, relative to Matthew Stafford prices, feels like some value. Where are you going tonight in the match specials?
5: It's kind got of, it's it's not as enticing as it's been over the past couple you know primetime games because as you know we've been having a lot of fun with the one and ones run rushing touchdown and one passing touchdown here and i do think there's a legitimate chance it gets over that tonight because you do have some legitimate threats on the ground and obviously in the air and if both of these teams get down on the goal line there's multiple things that they can do but only a plus 310 price there some fun ones there like three touchdowns in each half I don't know if it can get there, but if we're going to hover around 42, I don't expect an aerial assault in both the first half and the second half. So maybe more of that like balance type of opinion, but even going a little bit cheaper on that, the one that actually caught my eye, which I thought you were going there, Jimmy Garoppolo would have one touchdown each half plus 145. You say, Oh man, where's Matthew Stafford? You know, plus 110, plus 120. No. He's actually at a plus 250 to do that. So for me, if I'm looking at value on a passing touchdown, even though I told you Jimmy Garoppolo's to throw two, is that a better price than Matthew Stafford because it's plus 150? I'm doing the same thing here in this market, Kevin. Matthew Stafford have one touchdown each half at a plus 250 makes way more sense to me, and that's the way I'd be
4: going there. Yeah, it's exactly what I said. wasn't? No. Exactly what I said. It's it's exactly why I brought it up. Uh, just aces, uh, aces out of you as per. Let me see if I can sell you on a longer shot out. here. Uh, yeah. By the way, boost that, boost that uh, one rushing touchdown, one passing touchdown number tonight. The people want to be involved on that. Plus 400 tonight. Uh, always run. You always have, you always That's up the maximum. ante uh, on it. Yeah. Can I sell you on this though? Cooper yep. Cup and Debo Samuel to combine for two hundred plus receiving yards and two-plus touchdowns, plus 750. Here's the big Mm -hmm. advantage, I think, in this market. One, I think there's two. Cooper Cup going for 150 is live in every single game we play. Two, Mm -hmm. it does not say two receiving touchdowns. Debo runs one in, Donnie, and all of a sudden this could be happy season. That's the big long shot I'm looking at tonight there at plus 750. Yes.
5: And how about this? I'll go a little bit not, not as long as a shot. Plus 490 here. One field goal to be scored in each quarter tonight. If it's not going to be all that explosive, goals, maybe they take the points. Maybe we take the points at a plus four ninety. Hey, boost that one up. 550. How about field, that? Game?
4: No, don't waste people field goal boost, man. This guy, that's what you want. That that's what you want tonight. Field goals in yeah. every quarter boosted. Oh. Every cheering right. I mean, loudly for fourth and one stops. Yeah, I know. I mean, that is all right. Good luck with that. Uh, come on back, Donnie. Right side will inaccurately get mad at some coaching decisions that made sense oh, yeah. when you really look at oh, the yeah. situation. Donnie will close it out.
3: SportsGrid.com: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips, twenty-four seven, as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: All right, final
5: segment of the day right here for the early line. Armchair Quarterback Monday, right on the Sports Grid Network series, XM Channel 159. Donnie Rightside out along with Kevin Walsh, 7 to 9 a.m., getting you ready for the rest of your Sports Grid day, which will include the morning after. Coming up next with Ben Stevens, and I will be a guest in the first hour, so make sure you stay tuned to that. But having said that, we watched a lot of football over the weekend. Saturday, sensational college football. Sunday, maddening and profitable. Hopefully, you tailed along with our picks here on Moneyline, Sports Grid, and also the early line. Having a good time with that, but I got to tell you, sometimes these coaches make way too much money to make terrible decisions. So, people, listen up. <laughs> coaches get paid to make good decisions. Coaches get paid to make great decisions. What coaches lose their job for is making terrible decisions. And as we line up Sunday afternoon, we saw it again. And maybe the game of the day, the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills squaring up in Baltimore. Got a decent first half out of there with some scoring. But the Reigns moved in for the second half and clouded the environment up so much as the Baltimore Ravens didn't score a point. Now, typically, you can say, yeah, the offense was bad. They just couldn't cash in. What did you want them to do? They lost to a pretty good football team in the Buffalo Bills. And that would be correct. But how about if I told you the Ravens should have had at least three points because their coach was an idiot on Sunday afternoon? Don't tell me what computers say. Don't tell me there's an extra one percentage point in your favor if you go for a touchdown as opposed to kicking a field goal with under four minutes or right around the four-minute mark in the fourth quarter. Let me tell you something here. Ravens line up on that fourth down and kick that field goal here. The crowd is on their feet. The crowd is standing. The defense is pinning their ears back. They can get ready to get after it and close that football game out of Josh Allen and the Bills and move on to three and one. But since your head football coach thought it was smarter to not take the lead and let the Baltimore Ravens, I say, not be in the best possible position to win a football game. That's what happened on Sunday afternoon. John Harbaugh enough with your two point conversions enough with your nonsense here. Just coach the game the way it's supposed to be. Take the lead at home late in the football game. You'll win more games than you lose. My goodness here. Stay tuned. Coming up next here, it's Ben Stevens and the morning after.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh,